Welcome to Grace Church. Whether you're watching us online or you're here in person, thank you. My name is Omar. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, as we're going into uh, this weekend, uh, celebrating, observing the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and what an amazing legacy he left for us and a message of his life that says that we do not judge each other by the color of our skin, but on our character, and we know that that is still true today to keep fighting, continuing to, to share that hope and share the heart of unity for our country. Uh, it's hard when I look at these, these uh, images here that are 53 years old and knowing that that is still our call to bring unity uh, and, and to share the message that, that he lived for. And so we want to honor that, observe that. So tomorrow's not just a day off, but it's a time for us to reflect as a nation um, and to pray for our nation. Well, currently, we are in our second week of a three-week fast. How many of you guys are feeling that already, right? It's that kind of that midpoint where you're just trying to get through. Uh, but we are on the last leg of that race, and, uh, and I'm excited. I can't wait uh, for, for breaking that fast, you know, that breaking that fast meal. Uh, I'm already making plans for that, you know, because I'm just so excited for, for what that's going to be, all the goodness of that, of denying myself uh, all the goodness of sweets and, and all this crazy stuff that I'm just imagining because I'm just ready to, to, to have those, uh, that big fat hamburger and all that good stuff. But uh, enough about me. <laughs> Um, but we are in this together, and I'm just so proud of our church that really uh, joined in this effort to, to take some time. Every year at Grace Church, we take 21 days to set ourselves apart, to listen to what God has to say, to let go of some distractions, let go of some things that we can cut out of our lives, and we decided to fill that time with more prayer and more time in the Word. And, uh, and I know you're already receiving the benefits. I'm hearing lots of feedback. Uh, people are excited about getting into the Bible more. Uh, if you um, have not joined us, there's still time, okay? You can join us in our seven-day fast, okay? So this week, you can start tomorrow. You can start today and just join us. And some of us, we took the challenge this year to get through the whole entire Bible in one year. Yeah. Right? A lot of us are doing that. And if you have the version app, it's really cool because you can actually connect as a community and you can put some thoughts and some notes for every devotion. And let me tell you, the, what I told you, I, it only takes about 30 minutes uh, to get through. And, uh, and I, I just think it's such a powerful time for us to study the word together, share our thoughts. I'm having a good time doing it. And I hope you are too. So there's still time for that. And also this Friday, we're going to get together. We're going to have a night of worship, prayer, and, um, and just concluding our fast by saying, God, uh, set our hearts right. Because this is the thing, a productive life starts with a prepared heart. And that's what we're doing this year, is that we're preparing our hearts for what God has in store for 2021. So, well, let's begin with prayer. Let's pray over our hearts. Father, we pray that this morning's message, God, would be something, God, that would open our hearts and our minds to what you want for us. God, I pray, Father, that as we listen to your word, God, that we would let it fall on good ground, that it would bear root, God, in us, Lord, so that we could develop the fruit that you called us into. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Well, we began a series last week called, we're talking about practice. And we're talking about practice. We're talking about the things that we need to be in practice of. Now, last week I gave you a quote, and I said that you are what you practice the most. You are a product of what you practice the most. And so this whole series is about us reflecting on what are the practices of our life or what needs to be the practices of our life. Now, we begin by addressing the practice of controlling our tongue. 
Man, that was a challenge, wasn't it? I hope you took that to heart. I hope that this week you were thinking about it, being slow to speak and being quick to listen. And, uh, and I hope that that was something that you were, you were thinking about, that you were meditating on. And I said well, we need to be in the practice of choosing our words wisely because we realize that there is power in our words. And I told you this, I said that, that our words, they dictate the quality and the direction of our lives. So be careful what you say, not just what you say, but also in how you say it. Now this morning, I want to I wanna guide us into another practice, another thing that we need to practice in our lives. And that is the practice, get ready for this, the practice of sacrifice. Woo! Sacrifice. Yes, I did say sacrifice. See, when we hear this word, there's something in us that clenches up. We don't like this because this is not natural for us. This doesn't come natural. So there's something inside of us, the sinful nature, the selfish nature, that wants to push back when we hear the word sacrifice because deep inside we realize we don't want to give anything up. And sacrifice requires us to let things go, to give something up. And so my hope is that uh, as you hear this, you're just like, oh, no, I might have picked the wrong time to show up. (laughs) Okay? Let me, let, me, let me tell you, I, I guarantee you by the time this message is over, as you listen and as you come with an open heart, I believe that you'll find out that this type of sacrifice that God calls us into, this Christ-centered, Christ-like, sacrificial living will benefit your life, that you're going to walk out of here going, yes, I get that, I want that for my life. You're not going to run from it, but you're going to embrace it. I, I just believe that if you're open, if you have an open heart and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, I think it's going to change your life forever. That's how much I believe in this. So the practice of sacrifice. Well, where do we begin? Let's begin by looking at the motivation behind sacrifice. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to or you can scroll down to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote the book or letter to the Philippian church. And what he's doing right now in this letter is that he is, he is bringing us into uh, this idea that unity happens through humility. And the greatest example of that is through our Lord and Savior's life, Jesus Christ. So he begins with that. He says, is there, if, if there is any encouragement from belonging to Christ, I love that Paul likes to give a lot of rhetorical questions. He says, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, Are our hearts tender and compassionate? See, what he's trying to tell us is that when we have a relationship with Jesus, it affects and should impact our relationship with one another. He's tying those two together. He says, this is who we are. This is what we profess. And he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Listen to this. Loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. There's a lot in that short sentence that we ought to agree with one another, that we ought to love one another, that we ought to uh, uh, become uh, together in one mind and one purpose. Now, we know that on this earth, that is hard to organize. That is hard to force. But he says this this is the way God's people ought to operate. This is the culture that the church should have. So how do you do that with a group of people from all different backgrounds, from all different perspectives and having all different kinds of needs, and they're in a local body just like we are, how does that happen in a community? How do we live that out? Well, he begins to tell us, and he starts with the don'ts, what not to do. He says this, he says, don't be selfish, 
Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, when I read this, I read this as instructions on how to break the habit of selfishness. Come on, that is a natural habit that we have, is a little bit of selfishness in our hearts. He says, stop thinking and putting yourself first. Stop thinking about what's in it for me all the time. He says, get out of that mentality. He says, stop trying to impress others to make yourself look better than you really are. Stop getting that false identity. But instead, he challenges us and he says, practice being humble. Practice thinking of others first. See, here's the thing about humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself less, but it's thinking about yourself less, right? That's what humility is. He says this, he says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. Now he gets into a very important part because this is like strong instructions. He says, you must, you could highlight that, underline that. He says, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. What attitude did Christ Jesus have? If you read through the Gospels, you kind of have some clues on how Jesus was, how he acted, what his attitude in this context was. Let's listen. He breaks it down. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. What does that mean? That means that he had to let go of something. What did Jesus have to let go of? He gave up his divine privileges, he says. He took on, meaning that he made the choice to take on something. What did he take on? He says he took on the humble position of a slave. Now, I was studying this out. I was looking at the root word, and I was looking at the original language, and I actually think that the, your translation might be better because it might say servant. I think that's a better translation of this because here's the thing. He's saying that Jesus chose to lay that down. He chose to be in this position, that it was a choice. Jesus chose to surrender himself to another's will for the advancement of a greater cause. That's what he's saying. See, slaves don't have a choice, do they? Slaves live in bondage, but this is what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus' act of letting go of his divine privileges and wrapping himself up in human form was an act of love, an act of sacrifice, and an act of surrender to the Father's will. That's what he's saying here. Yep, thank you, Surrey. She does my research for me, in case anybody wanted to know. <laughs> Just kidding. It says that he took on, so he, he, he let go of, but then when he took on, he took on a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself even more by being obedient to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So right off the bat, the apostle Paul is exhorting us to have that same attitude that Christ had when Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice of giving himself to die on the cross. But we also know that Jesus' ultimate sacrifice wasn't the only sacrifice he made. No, it says that he laid down his divine privileges. He stepped out of the highest position and placed himself in the lowest position. He lived a life not seeking his own interest, but he lived a life in a lifestyle of seeking out the interest of others. That, my friends, is our model. 
That is our example. That is what our focus needs to begin. When we're talking about sacrifice, we need to look at him and we say, that is our model. That is the attitude and the example that I need to live my life under. But guess what, friends? This takes practice. Everybody say practice. This takes practice. This doesn't come natural. And when we hear the word practice, it means that we need reps. We need repetition, right? Isn't that what practice is? So we got to work on that. It has to be part of our daily practice. Daily practice. What am I practicing? I'm practicing how to surrender in the way that Christ surrendered and laid down things for the cause of God's will. This takes practice. Practice takes time. Practice takes commitment. Come on, any athletes in the room understand? Practice takes time. Practice takes commitment. Blood, sweat, and tears at times. But the only way we can keep practicing something is by having the right motive. And the Bible helps us with that. Paul writes more about that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says this. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting for him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Let me tell you something. When I want to learn something, when I'm new at something, and I want to be good at it, what do I do? I look at somebody who I inspire to be like. And I watch how they do it. I watch behind the scenes. I watch how they practice. I watch their form. I watch all the little things that other people miss because I want to mimic them because I want to be like them. And Jesus laid that out for us. He, he, he modeled a life for us to look at and examine and see how he did it. He left us the way of the practice, what we should practice as we mimic him, as we want to be like him. And, and what's interesting to me is that he says this. He says that Jesus, when he did this, when he sacrificed, he did it with a heart of joy. That doesn't always come out of our hearts when we sacrifice, when we give things up for the sake of something better, something bigger. But see, here's the thing. A sacrifice is giving up something now for something better later. That's sacrifice, right? And that's usually what motivates us when we have to sacrifice. See, I believe that all of us can sacrifice if we believe that it's worth it. That's the truth. But the, see, friends, this is where faith steps in. This is where faith gets activated. See, we choose to live this way. When we choose to live sacrificially, when we choose to live this sacrificial life, what that means is when we put others before ourselves, when we're willing to give so that others may have, when we serve instead of being served, when we use our position and our platform to highlight others, that's what I mean by that. We are exercising faith when we do that. We are believing in our hearts and in our minds, that I'm giving up something now for something better later. Which for a Christian means for God's will and purposes to be played out in someone else's life. That should be worth it. That should be worth it. That is where it all begins. That should be our attitude in sacrificing. Now, when we think of sacrifice, oftentimes we think of this big hero moment, right? Kind of like a firefighter or, or a police officer that goes and puts himself in danger and, and they go in there to protect somebody and, and through that one act of, of sacrifice, they save a bunch of people. That's what we think of sometimes when we think of, of sacrifice. But let me tell you, for the average person, man, we don't get a lot of those opportunities. We want to be that person that will do that in the moment, but, but how do we do this every day? How do we practice this? Because those moments don't happen all the time. How do we do this? How do we practice? How, how does it not become just a thing in the moment, but it becomes an attitude and lifestyle that we can do every day? 
and carry with us all the time. Well, the Bible helps us out with that. Go to Romans 12. Well, let me just say this. Let me just set this up this way. See, the book of Romans was also another letter written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in the area of Rome. And besides Jesus, I believe that the Apostle Paul was probably one of the most influential figures that we have in this, in this day, in this world. I mean, he was, he, he was so influential. I mean, he wrote 13 letters to New Testament churches that became the canon of Scripture that were included in that. I mean, that's a big deal. I don't know if you know that, but that's a really big deal. His thoughts on theology and church doctrine have influenced us more than we ever know. He was well-educated in Old Testament scriptures and well-educated in secular uh, philosophies of his day. He, he, he was a Roman citizen, which meant that he grew up very affluent and he experienced rights and privileges that most of the known world didn't have. But we all know his story, right? Most of us do. Here is a guy who was, who, who was traveling on the road to Damascus, and, and he was ready to stomp out the Christian movement, and yet he encounters a resurrected Jesus, and that changed his life forever. And he let go of his, his privilege and his prestige, and he decided at that moment to follow Jesus, which at that time meant that he was going to live a life of, of poverty and persecution. This man was radically changed. From then forward, he, he was one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known. He planted churches in some of the most influential cities of the world. I mean, this guy did amazing things. And when you read the book of Romans, all the letters that he have, I mean, this is, one of the, this is like the crown jewel of his writings. I mean, in the book of Romans, it's so thick with so much doctrine and theology. I mean, he spends 11 chapters building up the cause for the human condition and, and God's redemptive plan. It's beautiful. He even talks about, about the regeneration of life through the Spirit and living in the Spirit-filled life. I mean, he covers all that in 11 chapters. And what I love about this book is I'm reading this letter. He gets down in the middle of this letter, at the end of chapter 11. He gets down to the bottom, and he just has to take a pause, and he has to have a praise break. <laughs> if you're reading through your Bible, it, it might have the word like uh, uh, doxology. Doxology? Am I saying it right? Which is just this theological term means that it's, uh, it's closing out in a praise for God. But he's in this moment. And, and here's the thing that you have to understand. Verses and chapters are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were added to our Bible 1,500 years after the, these letters were written. It was just to help Bible scholars reference Scripture and memorize Scripture, okay? So they were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they put these verses and these chapter breakups and they break the, the continuous thought that I think Paul was getting at. So this is one of those areas that I believe shouldn't have been there. Okay, this is, this is Pastor Omar's little, <laughs> little say. And so he gets into this spirit of praise, spirit of worship. Right? He ends, he, verse, uh, verse 36 says this, he says, for, from him and through him and for, and for him all things to him be the glory and glory forever. I mean, he's just like having this praise party. And then he gets into this next line. And he says, therefore, in other words, everything that I just shared, everything that I just, just wrote to you about, everything I just written, he says, I urge you, it's a strong word, I urge you, brothers and sisters. And let me also say this, was that Christianity was the very first movement to include men and women as equals. People in our current day, they like to overlook that. But let me tell you that if you do the history, you see that Christianity always brought women in and said that they were just as important in God's redemptive plan and moving in the world as men were. Okay? So I just got to say that. Okay? 
But he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's that word, sacrifice. Now, let me tell you that the original audience that he was writing to, they probably thought of that word a lot different than we think of it today. See, when they thought of sacrifice in a religious content, a context, they only knew one thing. When they heard that word, it meant something was going to die. They saw sacrifices all the time. It was common for them to see animals being slaughtered as a sacrifice on a weekly basis. Those sacrifices were done for the purpose of pleasing or appeasing the deity that they worshipped. Now, for the Jews, it was a way to cover their sins and stay in relationship with God. But as Christians, we no longer have to depend on the blood of animals for a temporary covering. No, but we trust in the ultimate covering by the covering of the atonement of our sins through the blood of Christ, the permanent one. So when Paul is writing this, he's connecting the sacrifice and death, and, and these people are looking at it and they're listening to him, and he's, and he's connecting that. He's connecting something that they know. And Paul takes this idea and he tells them this. He says, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself, in other words, to surrender yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, when you live sacrificially, when you live humble, when you put others first, when you think of others less, I mean, think of yourself less, serving and giving with no strings attached. It not only pleases God because we're reflecting the attitude of his son, but he's saying this is the essence of worship. We know worship is more than just singing, right? Worship is a response to God and offering all that, we, all that we are in light of what he's done. It's a continual act of surrender and sacrifice to give God glory. That's what worship is. So, he uses this phrase, it's a really, like, it's really strange to this generation, but it's also strange to us as well. Because he says, be a living sacrifice. What does that mean to be a living sacrifice? I mean, that sounds like an oxymoron, right? That's weird. It means to be sacrificed repeatedly. Doesn't sound like a really fun life to live, does it? None of us are signing up for that one. But before we start thinking that God is only after making us miserable, that we have to just live this life miserably and, and that he just wants, this, he wants to torture us, let me, let, me, let me correct you here. This type of sacrifice doesn't mean suffering as much as it means surrender. Surrendering something to die in us. So the big question for you this morning is this, is what needs to die in me? What needs to die? How about my flesh? my fleshly desires? How about my selfishness? How about my stubborn will? And how does that happen? Uh, how do I sacrifice this before God? By surrendering to his will, right? Isn't that what we're hoping to, to walk out is the will of God? Who wants to walk out the will of God? I'd get every hand raised up right now. Do you know, want to know what the will of God is? Here's the will of God. The will of God is to allow, allow him to conform us into the image of his son so that the world can see his son through his church. That's really our calling. That's really what he's calling us to do and to be. And in order for us to do this, then we have to die to ourselves so that we can live for him. Now, this is not an original thought from Paul. This is actually the lifestyle and the teachings of Jesus himself. Paul is just echoing it. He's reminding the church, which I think we need to be reminded of this often. I don't know about you, but this is a challenge. This doesn't come natural. 
This is something that I have to practice daily. Just ask my family. It's hard. I'm not going to pick on you. I'm going to pick on myself. I'm a selfish person. I think of me, myself, and I more than I think of others. I'm admitting that on camera. It's hard for me to lay down my desires. It's hard for me to lay down uh, uh, what my preferences are. It's hard for me to lay down my comfort for the sake of someone else. I make a lot of excuses for me to keep this together, going my way, and having to do a little bit of sacrifice. Again, it's all about your motives. But if our motives is right to say we want to do this because we want to be like Jesus, that I'm willing to sacrifice something now for something better later, it will change you. It will bring some satisfaction to you. This, let me tell you, when you live this way, it will bring satisfaction. There is satisfaction in surrender. There is satisfaction in sacrifice because we know that we are sacrificing for God's purposes. That's what sacrifice means. It means that I'm surrendering something for the sake of something else, that I'm willing to give up the one thing for the belief that something else is worth more. That's what this means. Now, I know this word sacrifice and this concept, this idea, it could be misunderstood. It could be abused. People can use that, and they can can take that way farther than God ever intended. And there's a lot of people that can take things like that and say, well, you know, I have to to do all these things uh, for the sake of others, and so I'm just going to run myself tired, and I'm just going to do all these things to extend because, you know what, I'm hurting in the Bible. I'm supposed to do this. No, check your motives. Because a lot of times we're doing that to please other people, to make ourselves look good. A lot of times we do that because we want to please other people and we, and we say uh, yes to the wrong things and we say no and, and, and it's just, it's all out of whack. And if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that our motives are wrong. Maybe we're working long and we're saying we're sacrificing for our family, but really it's self-promotion. Check your motives. That's the change. That's the difference is look at your motives. Why are you doing it? Now, the easiest way that we can relate to this in a, in a daily basis is, is exercising and eating a healthier diet. Some people have that as their New Year's plan or New Year's goal, right? It's hard. You know, when you think about exercising and adding that habit into your life, practicing exercising, practicing eating a healthier diet, I mean, you know off the bat that you're thinking in your mind of a positive outcome that comes with your sacrifice, You're like, if I sacrifice some things, and you know it's not just one big sacrifice, but it's all these little daily sacrifices that you make because you look at that outcome in mind and you're saying, you know what, that's where I want to be. That's the outcome I want. So I'm going to sacrifice for these things to happen. So you say no to some things. You invest your time. You invest your finances. You, 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 You squish down some of that desire to not do this thing because you say, this is what I've chosen and committed to. It requires sacrifice. Come on, any parents in the room, you understand this, that when you had started having a f- kids, uh, man, there were some sacrifices you had to make, starting with sleep, <laughs> your own desires, your own time. But you do that out of love for your kids, and you want to do the best for them and, live a, and have a family that, that they're supported in, and so you have to make sacrifices. Hopefully you can relate to one of those two uh, examples there, but that's an example of how we make sacrifice on a daily basis. We're surrendering something now for something better later. The problem, friends, is that there's a tension with that. See, the hardest thing for us to sacrifice is our own comfort and our own preferences, isn't it? 
So how do we get to the place where there's an attitude of joy in that? When we sacrifice our comfort and our, pre- and our preferences for the good of someone else and for the glory of God. Well, we got to trust Jesus, right? we got to follow after him and his example. And we have to believe that where he's leading us is worth going. That's what we got to sell in our hearts this morning. And what did Jesus say? Well, let me tell you this. Our faith is symbolized by what sign? A cross. And if you want to go to the path of Jesus and you believe that it's not going to require for you to sacrifice, then you have the wrong image of Jesus. See, Jesus keeps leading us back to this idea that our faith is a faith of surrender. Our faith is a faith and a lifestyle of sacrifice. Walking with Jesus is going to get us into that habit of surrendering ourselves. Jesus calls us to follow him, and he's very clear about what that looks like. Look at Luke 9, verse 23. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross when? Daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it if someone who gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits their very self? I like the message translation because it says, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how to, how to. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to find yourself, your true self. What good will it be to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? See, Jesus is really upfront about what he's after, and that is total surrender and obedience, and that, my friends, will require sacrifice. So the big question is, are you willing to go where he's leading you. He says, follow me. He says, in order to follow me, you're going to have to leave, let go of some things and leave some things behind. But you're also going to have to pick up your cross. And let me tell you, in those days, that cross represented death. And again, the question for all of us this morning is, what has to die in me? What's holding me back from truly following after all that Jesus is leading me into? Well, I'll tell you, for me, it's my pride. It's my selfishness. It's my comfort. It's my, con- my sense of wanting to have control. What needs to surrender? My will, my preferences, my control. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Paul says this as well. He echoes the same thing in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith by the son, with the, of the, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, he's saying, I'm laid down my desires. I lay down my preferences. I lay down for something bigger than myself, which is God's good and perfect will. So that the Spirit of Christ can shine through me. That was Paul's attitude. If you know about Paul's life, man, you know that he made a lot of sacrifices so that the gospel can go further than it ever has, right? Now, I'm afraid, friends, that at times we've made church become all about us. We've made church about our needs and our preferences, and we believe that the church exists to meet all those things from us, for us. The church should revolve around that. And let me tell you, when I read scripture, that is the act the exact opposite of what the Bible says is the mission of the church. And when I talk about church, I'm not talking about denomination. I'm not talking about building. I'm talking about us. We're the church. And in the Bible, it says that the church exists not for us, but for the world. 
that, that we're meant to go and, search, and, and serve the world. Now, as a church, we make sacrifices so that others can find Jesus, that others can learn how to follow Jesus. That should be our, our heart. That should make it worth it for us. We also make sacrifices for each other, don't we? As a faith community, we care for one another. We love one another. We want to, to work towards getting the best out of each other and, and, and pushing ourselves for the best. And, and so we're going to sacrifice for that to happen. We want to live that way. And I believe that when God sees the church, when that's their heart, it pleases him because he sees it in action. He sees it working through us, this sacrificial life, putting others before ourselves, loving one another, caring for one another, sacrificing so that others can have. And that was the promise that Jesus said that when that is your attitude, he says there's a blessing in that. That's when you'll find real life. See, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving others and giving your life away. That's what Jesus says. So take an inventory of your life right now. Take an inventory and just think, say, where am I doing this? Where am I practicing this? Where is this challenge in my life? All of us can do that. All of us can look and reflect and go, okay, am I living this way? Am I putting others before me? Am I, am I, am I laying down something so that I can, so I can work towards helping someone else? Living this life every day, working through that. Am I practicing this? Am I serving sacrificially? Does it cost me something? Now, I'm not asking you if you serve in church, right? <laughs> I hope you hear that. Now, there's lots of benefits of serving in any ministry in the church. That, that requires sacrifice. That requires things. And there's a benefit there. Your life will be blessed. But I'm saying outside of that, how has this worked out in your life every day? If not, then maybe this is something we've got to put into practice which will mean that it's going to take some self-discipline, it's going to take some intentionality, because there's always going to be a friction in your heart about this. Anytime you move this direction, it's going to, feel, it's going to be a fight in the flesh, because that me monster is going to want to rise up, and you've got to surrender that to God. If God's leading you, the Spirit's leading you into this, you've got to let him, you've got to trust him. You know, I love that there's this church that has a mantra that says this. It says, our church is not built on the talents of a few, but our church is built on the sacrifice of many. I love that. I think that's the essence of what church should be. It's not just platforming the few that seem talented, but it's the sacrifice of many. And I don't know if you know that if you're watching online, if you're in person, I hope you know that what you're experiencing, the blessing that you've received from Grace Church, it came out of a bunch of people's sacrifice. Even the Sunday experience. I mean, if you enjoy, come on, can we just thank the people who are behind the scenes on a Sunday morning? Just that experience, right? Thank you. There's, there's a team of people all around. And it doesn't just start there, but they, they get up early to show up here to prepare this place. They work on all this technical stuff throughout the week. There's people, many people in our church community, man, they give generously so that we can continue to do the work here in Federal Way and in the region to reach people. That all came out of sacrifice. You are blessed and experiencing blessings because of other people's sacrifice. They're giving up their time. They're giving up their treasures. They're giving up their talents, all for the glory of God. And every week we have the same aim. And we just want people to encounter Jesus Christ, to know him like we know him, and that we can live our lives to be a light so that other people can find him and learn how to follow him. That's our aim. That's why, and to us, that's worth it. And, and we do stuff all throughout the year to do that, 
to show that. But let me tell you, it comes out of sacrifice. It's going to cost something. But we're willing to do it because we're willing to give up something now for something better later. And every year as we've been faithful with this, every year as we're doing this, there's people, many people, we should tell you guys every year how many people come to Christ, how many people get baptized, how many people are now being uh, broken from addiction. I mean, we have stories around us because God honors that. God sees that. God's able to work through us when we have this posture. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so needed. That's why we got to put it into practice. If you're here with us, can you stand to your feet? If you're watching online, can you take a moment and, and pause and pray? You know, this is that time of prayer and fasting right now for our church. And um, I don't know about you, but every time I'm in this time of prayer, the season of prayer, of fasting, you know, it causes me to, to really reflect, to be like David where he says, search my heart, oh God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Like to really have that real moment with God and just say, God, check me. Even if it's something I'm uncomfortable with, even if it's something that I just don't want to face, but Lord, I'm going to trust you that I got, I got to get there for real transformation to happen. And so maybe that's our posture today. Maybe it starts with repenting and, and having a repentful heart because that's what fasting does to me. It makes me just, just wash out all the gunk, the old residue of old mindsets and bad habits. And so maybe this is your moment right now to just get before God and just say, God, would you, would you just start with just saying, God, remember last week I said the most powerful prayer you can is, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. So maybe that's where you start. Maybe you just get to that place. Maybe something resonated with you today and you're just like, man, I know, I know I've been acting off and, and, and I've been being uh, more into the flesh and less into the spirit. And maybe this is your moment to just, just work that through. Come on, I'm going to pray for you. You have a special moment right now. The spirit of God is ministering to your heart. He's speaking to you. He's revealing things to you. He's probably telling you stuff I didn't even say. That's how good he is, man. He's going to make sure he's going to fill in my gaps. Because <laughs> he loves you so much right now. And he wants, you to, he wants to break you free. So, Father, I just lift up my friends this morning, God, whether they're online or here in person, God. But I pray, Father, that whatever is heavy on their heart, whatever they need to let go, whatever's in the way, God, this weight, God, you know what that is. They know what that is. I thank you. You're such a good God, Lord, that you just reveal that to them in this moment and you want them to be free. So I pray that they have the courage and strength to just open their hands as a spiritual symbolizing what you're doing on the inside and say, God, I'm letting go. I'm not clinging to it anymore, God. I'm going to release that. I'm going to release my control. I'm going to release some of the selfishness, God, that I've been walking in or whatever that is, Lord. I pray that they just let it go. They trust you. And Lord, they just pick up this mantle of saying, God, I'm going to live my life for a greater purpose. I'm going to be willing to say yes, God, even if my flesh says no. I'm going to let the Spirit lead me. I'm going to let the Spirit cause me to just step into this new place, God. Being open what you want, not my, what I want, but what you want, to be generous with my life. I thank you, Lord, for this revelation, God. Help us to be a living sacrifice for you, holy and pleasing to you in your sight. Let our life be that sweet smell and aroma to you, Lord, that every day, not just Sunday, but every day we're living this way. So we surrender it all. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you cover us. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us. So help us every day as we surrender every day to you. In Jesus' name, where we said.
Amen. Can we give God the glory and a clap or a shout? God is so good. So good. Well, again, this Friday, I want to personally invite you to come and join us for a special night of prayer, reflection, and worship. We hope you can all be here. God bless you guys. See you next week.